0: For me, that's what coaching helps so much is unpacking those stories we tell ourselves, stories about beliefs and assumptions and figuring out what's really true and having someone, an independent thinking, help you come to terms with what are those beliefs and assumptions and are they really true? So that shift in perspective, I think that's the most critical thing that coaching really does is kind of help you see things from a different perspective.
1: Welcome to the Thriving in Complexity podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne Libertilia, and I'd love for you to join me as I peek behind the scenes of complex situations and workplaces and interview leaders and experts who will challenge your thinking, inform and inspire your leadership so you and your team can thrive in the volatile, uncertain complex and ambiguous world we live in. Liz, it's so wonderful to have you join us today. I wonder if you'd like to share with people something about you that a lot of people may not know.
0: Oh, it's lovely to be here, Suzanne. Like, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Um, I guess, I mean, I, I was going to talk about my ultra running, but people probably know that, <laughs> so, um, so something that people might not know is that I actually really disliked running as a kid, Like, really didn't enjoy it at all. Um, played a lot of netball, um, but was always last at the training sessions, doing running and stuff. So that's kind of funny to me that, uh, it's kind of come full circle. Um. And I guess the other thing that people might not know, uh, my background's in urban planning. You probably know that, but I actually wanted to be an architect when I was a kid. So I used to like draw floor plans of things that I, you know, shopping centers of all things. I don't know. (laughs) Something weird going on there. But um, I was not blessed with the creative talent required to be an architect. So. there you go. You've got two things
1: that oh, wow. people might not know. I'm just laughing when you're talking about you used to draw plans of shopping centres because my daughter, she used to draw um, house plans and put them up yeah. on her wall. But uh, she's now some... studying interior and spatial design. so.
0: <laughs> uh, well, she, she's got the creative talent then. I, I was not blessed with that, unfortunately. But um, anyway, it came out as, as a career in urban
1: planning instead So for me. So um, it, it kind of found its way in there somehow. And so you've made a bit of a shift, haven't you, from urban planning? And do you want to talk more about why you decided to shift to what you're doing now?
0: Yeah, sure. So I loved planning. I worked in public sector and private sector for nearly 20 years, I realised, when I had to write that on my CV that it had been that long. And I guess through all of that, um, you know, the thing, part of what I was really excited about during that was particularly being in leadership roles was you know supporting people to be their best and understanding and thinking about how we work like the content to me is fascinating I love cities yeah. I love places and I love thinking about that but to me it's also about how we work and how we think about how we work to get a bit better on it so you know I'd done a lot of leadership team development work training and so I'd kind of started coaching people through that process and and just seeing the benefit, I guess, and the impact that it can have to shift people's mindset about how they think about what they're capable of. And so that's really what drew me to professional development coaching, which is what I do now. And I guess kind of also sitting alongside that was as I said before, like I, you know, ultra running is part of what I love doing and and being outside and being in nature and um, pushing myself physically, you know, that kind of mentality also, you know, helping people do things they think they're not capable of. Like I think that we're all capable of so much more than we think. And I realized that for myself through running. And I guess that was also kind of part of what gave me the courage to to start a, a new business and to start working for myself and to start um, helping people like this is that, you know, maybe I was capable of that too and I, I hadn't <laughs> quite realised it. So it was, um, yeah, kind of a, a coalescing of oh, a, a couple of different things there.
1: Well, particularly given you didn't like running earlier on <laughs> in your life. And, yes. Um, so just with the ultra marathon running, what are some of the things you've personally learned from that that people might find useful for their own career development?
0: Yeah, I mean, as I said, like I think part of it for me was um, realising that I was capable of more than I thought. Like yeah. I, I've kind of been in the trail running mm-hmm. area um, for maybe like six or seven years and I have this really distinct memory of um, standing in the river at Bright um watching people finish um this huge race that they'd done they'd actually run from Mount Buller it's an incredible achievement and I was like wow imagine if like I would love to be able to contemplate doing something like that one day and I haven't done the Buller to Bright like that race doesn't happen anymore but like I, I've done some big races in the mountains and I guess for me that kind of progressive thing of going from I can, you know I used to just run 5Ks and then kind of building up to those really long races like it's that sort of slow but consistent progression I Mm -hmm. think that is really powerful Um, and the consistency like you know you have up days and down days but overall if your trajectory is kind of in the right direction I think that you know it's taught me a lot about thinking about things in that kind of longer term um, way and framing it that way so and I guess I, I did also reflect like there's probably a few other like fairly specific things that I think have helped me. And, you know, we always talk in uh, ultra running about we've just got to get to the next aid station. So, you know, there's kind of aid stations every, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 Ks or whatever. So rather than thinking about that real long-term thing and like what, you know, you where you are today and that's like, okay, just be where you are. Focus on what you need to do right now. And just like, what's the next little goal? you know in in a work context maybe it's like um what do you have to do next on the project like you've got this big project and you're mm-hmm. kind of not sure how to approach it it seems really big and overwhelming um or you're stepping into a big new leadership role or something like that the thing is like what do you have to do next what's yes. the next thing that you need to do to kind of keep moving in the right direction because that's definitely part of it as well as like relentless forward progress like just keep moving and you know you'll find stuff out along the way the the worst thing that you can do is kind of just stagnate and stop moving because that's you know a 30 minute kilometer is um, faster than not going anywhere so you know that kind of mentality of just kind of progressing and I I guess as part of that like you find out so much more along the way so you you might have this plan about how you think your project's going to go or how you think your leadership journey's going to go but as soon as you get into it and you start that movement, mm-hmm. you, you learn so much more and you see so much more. And it's different and you could have never planned it perfectly, but that's, that's part of the goal really. That's part of the beauty of life and, um, you know, that journey, like it's a bit of a cliche, but the journey is part of it. Like that's yes. that's what's so rewarding about it.
1: Yeah. And we hear so much about how important it is for us all to take personal accountability for our own growth And I think that idea of focusing on, look, what's next, you don't have to achieve it all at once, but what's next, is a really practical, useful thing that people can focus on. Are there other really practical mechanisms that people can use to help them move towards that person that they want to become?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's about um, what the first thing for me is like while it's about moving forward, it's also about having a sense of what, where you are aiming for, like, what does it look like? What does it feel like? I think, you know, the kind of life that you're trying to build and the kind of work and life and all of those rich things together, that, that thing that you're trying to build, what, what does that look like? Like, what are you aiming towards? Cause then I think, you know, having that clear sense of where you're headed is important and then kind of practically, I suppose it's Thinking more broadly about, um, you know, the kinds of things that you'd like to spend your time doing. I I always, you know, um, try and suggest to people, like, let's not think about the kind of job you want. Like, I mean, you know, what that job title is or what that role is. Like, what are the things that you like to spend your time doing? And, you know, having a really clear sense of that. So I think, you know, that's one practical thing is, like, if you could plan your most ideal perfect workday... Yes. Like, what would you do?
1: Yeah, and I know I've worked with clients on in this sort of space as well and encouraging them to actually carve out some space and time where yeah. it's not about what is my next job role, but it's actually yeah. doing some dreaming, thinking yes. about what's yes. on my bucket list what and yes. going if I won the lotto if there were no constraints and really yep. opening up their thinking mm-hmm. and doing a whole range of those exercises and then looking at what are the themes. That are emerging yeah. from that, and what does that tell them about the things that they're attracted to and that they find energizing, and then start looking at well, then what does that mean in terms of future roles?
0: I think that's a hundred percent correct. Like I really think that you know that diverges, and as you said, like you know, you need to carve out the time and space to be able to do that, and it's it's hard, right? It, it took me, I think, nearly. The best part of a year to kind of figure out that for myself. And, you know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned the lottery. I always, you know, when you ask people like, what do you want to do? And what would you do if you won the lottery? And people be like, well, I'd go travelling and I'd pay off all, you know, my debts and I'd help out family and friends and donate some to charity. I'm like, but then what? Yes. You need (laughs) a list, don't you? You
1: have to say it's not just the top five. You've got to push yourself to get about what are 30 or 40 things. Yeah. And it's the sort of thing that you need to... Um, sit down put a bit of music on if you like to have a a drink or a cup of tea depending on what you like and sit there do that I know I've um, carried it around in a notebook with me and waiting for the pick one of the kids up at school where you're just stuck in the car for 30 minutes or stuck in a plane seat you know it's finding all of those different opportune times to just doesn't matter there's no right answer no wrong answer it's just what if and explore it.
0: I think that's you know one of the other practical tips that I have is change your context. Yes, like shift a little bit. Like let it kind of percolate in your subconscious a bit. Um and as you said, like maybe you're walking the dog or like you know everyone has those shower moments as well, and i I, I wholeheartedly believe in that. like because you can't, when you're in a shower, you can't actually do. Anything about it, you can think about it, but you can't do anything. So there's that freedom. And I think, you know, there's perhaps also that when you're on a plane, like you can't really do much. All you can do is like sit and think, really, and eat the crappy food. But there's a bit of freedom that comes from that because you're not forced to think about implementing it. And that implementation is obviously important, but like there's that freedom that comes from that space. One of the other frameworks that I really like is the Daniel Pink one that's around autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Mm -hmm. You've probably heard of that one, but I think, you know, that's a really useful kind of way to help people think through those things, like where of those, like how each of those express themselves in your ideal life and, you know, what are the themes that come out of it when you think about those three things. So, you know, autonomy around having an ability to to decide how and when you're going to work and and what that looks like for you and you know that that idea of chasing mastery for me is probably top of my list yes i mean you can't really differentiate between them but i think yeah that idea of chasing mastery and continuing to um, you never really get there you just kind of keep getting a little bit better every day hopefully so i think that's really powerful as well
1: yeah and i think that really relates back to i mean a lot of people are familiar with james clear and the work Ed. that he did around Atomic Habits, which builds on other people's work, but that Ed. whole concept of one percent better every day, okay. um, just the compound effect is enormous. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, Liz, what is it about coaching approaches that you think really helps people unlock their potential? Um, well, I think
0: there's a couple of things, and I think, like, if I go back to it, you know, there's no shortage online now of things that can tell you like how to be more productive or fulfilled or things that you can do. And, you know, people listening to this podcast are also like, you know, this is another resource that's kind of helping people think about that. And I think they're all important and really useful things to kind of start that thought process. But I guess, and I'm drawing on um, Marcia Reynolds' work here. She's um, a a PCC, MCC certified coach through ICF. Um, And she talks about coaching the person, not the problem, Yes. but she also, one of the lovely things she talks about is coaching being about a shift in perspective and it being about transformation, not transactional. And I think, you know, for me, that's what coaching helps so much is unpacking those stories we tell ourselves, you know, stories about beliefs and assumptions and figuring out what's really true and having someone, an independent thought or thinking, help you come to terms with like, what are those beliefs and assumptions and are they really true? So that shift in perspective, I think that's the most critical thing that coaching really does is kind of help you see things from a different perspective. So it's not just about kind of, I mean, it 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 is also about coming up with um, actions and following that through and some accountability around that. But it's actually about how coaching can shift someone's mindset. Um, And I think that's really the unlocking piece around potential. So I think there are other ways that you can get that. Yes, I just think that coaching can accelerate that. And if you're a little bit stuck, then, you know, as I said, like a shift in perspective and having someone... Um, gently, but firmly (laughs) question those assumptions, uh, and beliefs is incredibly powerful. And I think like the second part of why I think coaching is, helps people so much. In my mind, coaching is also about helping people organize their thoughts. Mm -hmm. They're all there. They're all, you know, maybe sometimes a bit jumbled up, but I, I fundamentally believe that, um, You know that there is gold there to be found and so I think that coaching that process that you go through can help to organize your thinking and so you have that really clear sense of purpose and really clear ideas about what you want and how you're going to get it and then decisions become a lot easier so you know when we're talking about being in kind of complex ambiguous environments when you're really clear about what is important to you and how you're going to show up and what you're here for other things there's fewer decisions and we know decision fatigue is real um so i think that really clear um sense of what you're about and what's important to you or what you're here for other things can kind of fall into place a little bit more easily so i think you know that's another way that i help think that coaching really helps people unlock their potential
1: And I think when it comes to complex and ambiguous, one of the challenges we often find is we have this sense of who we are and our purpose, but as new things emerge or things aren't as clear, we have a tendency to hold on to what's familiar about ourselves. And so the value, I think, of a coach is the coach can help someone notice when they're holding on to something that is getting in their way of becoming who they need to become next and just that whole idea of a, a companion, it, it, I like the language around companion because it feels more supportive and, and less judgmental. Yeah,
0: yep. Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, I've heard Marcia also talk about thinking partner and I think that's really lovely as well. Like I'm here as to partner you in that process that you're going through. Um, I'm not here to give you advice. We all know like coaching's not about giving advice. That's, yes. that it's about like you know, thinking with you, but questioning that, and that that partnership approach is really important. I think.
1: Yeah, I've, I find the whole thing around coaching versus mentoring really quite interesting because I know I will have um, clients who it's a hundred percent pure coaching, and then I will yeah. have other clients who continually want. But you've been in these environments. You yeah. Know. Um, what What are some of the things that I can think about so it's being really conscious of are you in a 100% pure coaching model yep. or how are you signalling and working with the person that you're working with? How are we shifting between coaching and mentoring or saying, no, this is actually about you working it out no. for you? Or yep. actually there's some things I can share with you that might prompt your thinking Boom. but you need to work Work it out. And then, so I can share this, but then I want you to reflect on what it actually means for you. Yeah. And I 100% agree. I think,
0: you know, there's absolutely a time and a place for like new skill development. Like you can't, you know, coach a junior engineer to build a bridge, right? Yes. Like there's, there's some instances where some skills development is required. But I think, you know, it's about, as you said, how you signal that and how you can kind of prompt people's thinking. And I I guess, you know, coaching as that partnership is that firm belief that people have essentially got the skills. Yes. And so then it's kind of how you help them reflect on that and how they could apply that because, you know, we know that it's so much more powerful when people come to that conclusion about themselves themselves. Yes. I I can give you all the advice of the world and you you will come up with reasons why it doesn't apply (laughs) or, you know, it it might be interesting, but it's so much more powerful when people come up with those things that they're going to do, ways they're going to approach a tricky situation. I think getting really specific on fears is hugely beneficial to kind of work through what that means, what that looks like for people. So yeah, I, I agree that sometimes, you know, some prompts are helpful. But um, yeah, the goal is in people coming up and yeah. coming to these realisations, like transforming their thinking themselves.
1: Yeah. So there's I know a lot of people tend to learn best through stories. So are there well, any anecdotes that you can share about the value of a coaching approach? Yeah,
0: I, I think I, I just mentioned briefly that um, idea of getting to the specifics on fear. And so obviously coaching conversations are all confidential, but- yes you know i had a client um so i'll just share a story about something that they were working through and they were particularly nervous about a performance review that was coming up so this conversation that they had to have and they'd kind of put it off it was hanging over them yeah. and they they weren't really sure why but it was just this thing that they they, they knew they had to do but they're kind of dreading it and so you know, I always think about fear as, you know, I characterize it as being like this gray cloud over here. Yes. Um, and so when you go to grasp at it, there's kind of nothing there. So by, by doing two things, like getting really specific on like what is the fear? Like what are you scared of? And also verbalizing it. So I think that act of verbalizing it, you know, so often you say something out loud for the first time, you're like, oh, well, that sounds a bit silly or different or you know like it sounds different when you verbalize it and suddenly it becomes less but I think it's also around getting really specific. Yes. So we we did some work around like what the nervousness was around this conversation and you know we at the in the end we got to um, this person thought that they were going to be asked to take on a different role and they they were unsure or they were nervous about how their manager was going to respond when they when they told them that they maybe didn't want to do that role so you know that gave us a real clear pathway through that you know we kind of pressure tested like what are some of the responses to that like you know what are what are some of the ways that the manager might respond and like how can you respond to that so by kind of getting really specific around those fears were able to like give this person um, a lot more comfort um, around having this conversation. And you know, I think one of the, I always like to ask people at the end of um, coaching conversations or like when we're kind of going through that process, like what will it feel like once you've done the thing? And you can just see like the shift in energy and they're like, oh, I'd be, just be so much more relieved. And so, you know, that in itself, like even thinking about that and how it will feel to have done the thing that you have been putting off that you know you have to do <laughs> is, is powerful. So I think, you know, that, that's really um, fulfilling on a number of levels because for the person they also, like when they go through with that and, and have that conversation, suddenly they realise their own agency in that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They are... They have realized that there was a thing that they were scared of that they were putting off and then they went through with it and they did it and it turned out in any number of different ways, but um, they were able to do the thing that they thought they were a bit scared of. And it wasn't like, it's never as bad as you think, right? It's rarely as bad as you think. Um, and so they were able to deal with it. And I think, you know, that give in itself gives people confidence. I see how that gives people confidence because they're like, oh, well, if I could do that, then, you know, maybe I could have other difficult conversations or, you know, that coming back to that idea of like, we're all capable of more than we think. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's my little story around how that coaching approach of really getting to the heart of like what what do you want to happen and what are the things that you need to go through with to to get to that point,
1: Liz. I think that's such a wonderful example of how curiosity about what's actually sitting behind how people are feeling or or how they're feeling that like they want to respond is is such a useful skill. Why else do you think curiosity might be such an important skill to cultivate in today's world?
0: Oh, I think it's one of the most important things. And, you know, the, the purpose of coaching, as I said before, is like it's helping you question your beliefs and assumptions. And so when you're curious and you're having conversations with different types of people, they all have different perspectives and different experiences And there's such beauty in other people's stories for a start. But if you listen to the things that they believe and their assumptions, you realise they're different to your own. Mm -hmm. And so it's that process, I think, of those conversations being like, oh, wow, when they, I don't know, get to an aid station, they just kind of run straight through and they have this different kind of mindset around how they approach it. So it's that seeing how other people um their different beliefs, how they approach situations differently, I think can just shine a light on maybe what's holding us back and can give us some insights into what might be alternative ways of approaching a situation. Um, You know, and I'm not suggesting that we compare ourselves to people um, around us all the time, but just observing how other people approach situations can be quite powerful. Mm. I think um, I was... I was at a um, AICD women's lunch yesterday and talking to some really um, great people on my table. And uh, we were talking about in business, kind of asking people to help you, to introduce you to people, to do whatever that might be. And, you know, I think it's a big generalization, but I think on the whole, like women are less likely to do that. And you see how other people approach that. And they just like, oh yeah, I-, I saw that, you know, so-and-so, do you think you could like introduce me to them? I'm really interested in what they do. Like- watching other people do that and just kind of seeing how easy it can be to do that and how, and the reaction, like everyone's, people are flattered when you yeah. ask them for help. Like that's, like that's usually what happens. It's very rare that someone um says no, like people are normally more than willing to help. So I think, you know, that curiosity, that kind of willingness to put yourself out there a little bit to yeah. like understand other people's perspectives and their experiences is like that's the 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 richness of life really, isn't it? Like it that's is. part of the beauty of it.
1: So it's about really understanding yourself, opening yourself up to other perspectives, but also an opportunity to learn from yeah. how other people do things. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and kind of Yeah, like like as I said, it's not about being like comparing yourself all the time, but just kind of reflecting on like what that might mean for for you and where you're at in your life and the challenges that you're at. Like, can you, can you learn something from yes. that approach and, you know, maybe apply some of those principles to, to where you're at at the moment?
1: Cause when you were talking about, cause I know one of my struggles with, you know, running your own business is asking other people, you know, yeah. for things. And yeah. um, so I, w- when you were talking about how easy it was for that other person Just to say that, I was immediately thinking in my own mind, you know, just all the overthinking and the things that I would do in that space. So I wonder, are there some things that people can do to become more aware, in your experience, of the habits of mind and patterns of behavior that might be holding them back? That once they ask someone, oh, do you know so-and-so, would you mind introducing me? Um, Sounds like so quick to run off the tongue, but probably... For some people, there might be all of these habits of mind going on that yeah. they've been ruminating on that for three or four hours before they actually do it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it is part of that, like, playing it out a little bit. And, like, I always like to – I ask this of myself all the time, like, what's the worst that could happen? And What's actually – if I bowled up to someone and said, hey, do you reckon you could introduce me to someone, or whatever it might be, what's the worst thing that could happen? They – they say no, or they think I'm being too pushy. And then they, like, when you actually go through it, it's like the fear setting thing. It's like what, getting really specific on that yeah. is like incredibly powerful. Cause then you're like, oh, well, if they say that, that's probably not that bad, is it? Like, mm. oh, well, I'll just, this is, this is what I will do. If this, then that. So you can kind of get that idea into your head, I think. And, and one of the other questions that I use a lot on myself and in coaching as well is what would it look like if it was easy? Mm. So if you're in this situation like I don't know what to do next like I'm working on a project I've got a, a challenging situation in my team whatever it might be what would it look like if it was easy and I kind of you know this is really important it has been really important for me in starting a, a business has been like If this was easy, I would like press a button and then all of these things would happen. And then this is what would happen at the end. And so I think, you know, we're talking before about like taking that step back and shifting your perspective a little bit. And I Mm -hmm. think that's what can be really powerful in that is like, you know, that question, like, what would it look like if it was easy? And I think it's a Tim Ferriss kind of way of thinking about it. He talks about that a lot, as well as the fear setting one, I must say, credit him with that. But yeah, like take being able to take that step back and go if in an ideal world like how would this look and then you know kind of know what you're aiming for and then you can kind of see a a way through that so i think you know there are a couple of those things that you know are useful to kind of um help you unpack some of those things that might be holding you back because then you can kind of see through it and then okay well what what do i think is getting in my way around this
1: yes Uh, so it's i
0: think it's powerful in that way
1: so really uh A coach is probably in a good position to notice some things and to ask people some questions that encourage them to think more deeply about those habits of mind that they Um, might have or patterns of behaviour. But once people are aware of those, what are some of the things that they can do to change them?
0: Well, I think it's, um, you know, I talked before about um, one of the things that ultra running is like be here now, like be where you are. What is the next thing that you need to do? Like, what do you, you, know, how do you make good decisions for your future self? But also the thing that you need to do is put the other foot in front of the other and then the other one and then the other one. So, so once you're aware of that, you know, those patterns of thinking, I suppose it, in terms of thinking like change is hard, behavior yeah. change is, is difficult. We, you know, we know that. So I guess it's, it's understanding like, you know, what would a good situation look like? You know it's a bit of that reflection as well and like oh um okay well this didn't go to plan so you know part of it is just acknowledging that we're all human and that you know just because like we set out on day one and want to change something like it's the path is never linear it's up and down and backwards and all squiggle all sorts of squiggles so i i suppose like to change that is it's about consistency and, you know, you, you talked about James Clear before and those kinds of things. I think it's just those one of those little things that you can do that help you kind of do that transition, if you like, and and not getting super caught up in having a bad day. Like, you know, tomorrow's a new day. Be where you are. Like, what's the next thing that you can do to get where you want to go? So, and also just, I think, you know, one of the things I've definitely learned over the last few years realized uh that's become really important for me is like this is what being human is yes th- there's not a fixed end point where we're all kind of there and you know fulfilled and happy and all the rest of it like you know we're always kind of like it's like chasing mastery like we're all you know on this journey and that's just part of the beauty of it or the beauty of life is yes you know th- there is no fixed end state so kind of just As I said before, it is a bit of a cliche, but enjoy the journey that we're on and, like, take the highs with the lows and just appreciate that, like, that's part of being a human.
1: Yeah, and I think I know you and I have talked before about the challenges with people who get too caught up in SMART goals as well because then when you get hit a crossroads, you're so focused on, oh, I'm not going to hit my goal and so you might choose to go down the wrong road instead of actually sit with it, reflect on it and think yeah. about is, you yeah. know, wh- where am I right now? Where do I think yeah. I might want to go? And yeah. um, not getting caught up with having set yourself these really very concrete type of targets it stops you from iterating and, and experimenting and playing around with what is right for you in the future.
0: Yeah, and I think it's good to have goals. I try and set my goals to be process Focus. so these are the practices that I want to have and and then you know it's that idea of being in love with the process and the the outcomes will come like you know I still want to run a fast uh, road marathon like there's no doubt about that I've got times in mind and things that I want to do and but there's no arbitrary like nobody else really cares like (laughs) I want to do those things but for me the beauty is in like the process and so I think yeah like As I said, like, I think that idea of really honing in on like, what are the practices and processes that are important to you? Because that's what you live in the everyday. That's what's important. You know, we all know the kind of fallacy of like, you you get the award or you get the time or you get the promotion or get, and then, you know, it's rewarding for like, I don't know, maybe four and a half minutes. And then you're like, oh, okay, so what's the next thing? So that's not very long to kind of enjoy it. So it is you know, what are the things that you love about the process? And for me, it's about exploring potential. Like, what am I capable of? Um, What are the limits of that? Um, And helping other people do that as well. So, you know, that constant kind of thing, like exploring potential, like you never done. Yes. That game never finishes. So we're all kind of here just having a go at that.
1: So Liz, given that, is there a framework you found works best for your clients and why?
0: The framework that I like to use working through my coaching sessions is around mindset action and accountability. So you know we've talked a lot about kind of mindset today and and how and shifting that and making sure that that's serving you, that it's you're telling yourself a good story like I think you know that's absolutely part of it. it's it's easy, but it's not pleasant to tell ourselves a bad story yes. about what happened or oh, I didn't do this well enough or you know, I'm not very good at this and like, you know, that's actually kind of easier in some ways. So it's hard to tell yourself that you're capable and that you're good enough and that you have all of this potential that can be quite a challenge. And there is work in that. So for me, the mindset piece is around, you know, shifting that mindset so that you realize that you're capable of these things. And, you know, what is that shift in perspective that you want to achieve? And so, you know, that's the most, that's the transformational part of coaching. Yes. And then, but otherwise, if we don't go through and then do some action and accountability, it just is a nice chat. Yes. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a lovely chat and we find out about stuff and, you know, we get all excited about all of these possibilities, but then the action part, like, what are you going to do? Yes. And. You know, I like to focus on like two or three things maybe and get them really concrete. People who've worked with me know that I'm looking you in the eye and be like, and like get more specific. And when, you know, when are you going to do that by? And what does that look like? And what yes. does success look like? So, you know, I think that's, that's where some smart goals can, that, you know, all those principles around smart goals, you know, how are you going to know that you've succeeded and what will that feel like? Yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, that action thing is really important for me because I think, It's also the case that, you know, as I was saying before around the fear thing, you get into the action and you do some actions and you realize that that has an impact and then that builds your confidence and momentum. So I don't want people to come away from a coaching session with like seven or 15 or 25 actions. Yes. That's never going to work. Like we all know to-do lists are pointless. Yes. Um, What are the two or three things and then that you're going to focus on? And then the third part being around accountability. So how will you hold yourself accountable? Like what will you do to make sure that this gets done? Who else do you need to support you? Like send me an email. Like that's that's part of what I can do as well. Like send me an email when you've done it. Yeah. And I'll send you an email by the due date if you haven't done it. <laughs> so and then, you know, and then in subsequent sessions, we reflect on that with kindness. Yes. Because as I said, we're all human and sometimes things happen and sometimes they don't. So it's... you know, it's not that if you don't do it, that it's a failure, you learn, you learn things from failure as much as successes. So like, what are we learning from that? So as I said, like accountability and um, progress and like taking some action is important, but also the reflection and the learning that goes with that is, is really important to me.
1: And what if people find themselves stuck? What are some of the things that they could do to really unlock that inertia? I think
0: it, it's about that shift in perspective and I, you know, for me, it's about changing my context, changing my environment. So I love the mountains and I love nature and so I'm really notice. and um, I've been fixing a, a very pesky Achilles challenge recently. So I have been running less, I <laughs> running less in on trails and I... I was going away for this weekend and I had so much to do and I, I nearly didn't go. And then I drove up to Hotham and as soon as I got to the to the mountains, I'm like like you just feel this weight shift. And so for me, like that shifting context and being somewhere, like out in those beautiful mountains and with like a different group of people doing different things was just, you know, as I said before, like that um Ability to let your subconscious percolate ideas, for me, um, was so important and, you know, went out on a a run across the Razorback Trail, which is one of Victoria's most spectacular ones. If you haven't been there, you should definitely go do it. Um, Up to Feathertop, bit of snow up there, which is super exciting. Anyway, the thing is, when you're out there doing that, it is about one foot in front of the other. You can't think about other stuff. Like, it's just about, like, making sure your feet are stable and you're paying attention to the views and all that kind of stuff. And it was... It was not surprising. Well, it I was actually a little bit surprising how much challenges kind of seem to resolve themselves, and answers came to me during that process. So of just being and not actively thinking about it. So I guess you know that's always my advice. If you're a little bit stuck, like you don't have to spend five hours in the car driving to Mount Huffle, Like <laughs> just go walk around the park. You know.
1: So it's like, how do just you shift gears?
0: Yeah. 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 How do you and and don't go out there with a problem to solve necessarily. Just kinda go out and like look around and take some deep breaths and um get like that sense of kind of perspective a little bit. And and you, you just never know what can come into your brain when you're when you give it a chance to relax a bit. So I guess, you know, that's another thing that's been really important for me is around like that sort of down regulation, meditation. Um, I love the San Harris app. If people are interested, it's called Waking Up. Like it's a great um, app for just giving you a bit of, like I like structure, a bit yeah. of structure around a very unstructured kind of process. So I think, you know, just being able to process and get that perspective um, when I'm stuck, that's what works for me. And certainly, you know, I see that in a lot of other people as well.
1: So I know, um, you know, it's really that just general mindfulness, connecting yourself, grounding yourself in the present and noticing what's, what's going on and letting it go.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any other tips for people wanting to create the time and space to do meaningful work?
0: Well, I mean, I think we touched on a little bit earlier, but, you know, working out what's really important. Like, what do you want your life to be like? When you wake up on a Monday morning, I'm assuming you're working a Monday to Friday here, but what does a day look like that you're excited about? And when you're reflecting on a Friday, what does it look like when you knock off and go, yep, that was a good week? And I think part of it for me is also like, what are the challenges that you're willing to face during that, because it's not perfect. But what are the things that you're going to put up with, or that you're going to deal with through that process? So you've had a, you're looking forward to a good week, or you're looking back on what's been a good week, and it won't have been perfect. There, there will have been struggles in there. And in my mind, like problem solving, like that's where the gold is. That's where the fulfillment is. It's where you come up against something, and you're not really sure how to deal with it, and you figure out a way to deal with it. Like that's the fulfilling part. And so like, what are those kind of challenges? What are the challenges that you want to have in your week or day or whatever that are fulfilling to you? So I think if you're looking at how do you create the time and space to do the meaningful work, like think about those challenges, like what are the problems you want to solve? And I think purpose and impact is really important, Mm. but also again, like what do you want to spend your time doing? Do you want to spend your time like helping team members overcome challenges. Do you want to spend your time helping overcoming technical issues in data wrangling? What are those challenges that you want to kind of overcome?
1: And I've um, been working with someone and we've been exploring, you know, they get a lot of fulfilment out of leading something, but we've been digging deeper into that in terms of, is it actually about leading a function? or is it about leading, developing a body of knowledge and living a legacy in that way? So it's really helping people to dig more deeply and be more curious about the things that are actually driving them. I think that's spot on,
0: like getting underneath and, you know, that's what coaching can help you do with that perspective is to really like get a little bit deeper. You can sit and think but having someone else kind of help you do that I think is incredibly powerful.
1: Yeah. And challenging those perceptions that you have about yourself that you might not even be conscious of. So so someone sort of noticing the patterns that are coming through. And I think when you're a coach, you have to be quite curious, don't you? Because you've really got to notice when you need to ask someone a question. So look, just I think really quickly, Liz, as we finish off our conversation, I'm actually curious about, in your own words, what does thriving in complexity mean to you? I think to thrive
0: in complexity is about having clarity of purpose, like that really clear sense of what's important to me, what am I here for, what do I want to do, and how do I want to be? Yes. So complexity, you know, there's, there's so much going on. There's changes happening. There's things popping up all over the place. But when you're grounded and you have that clarity, that's what it takes to thrive in that kind of context. And I I think, as I said before, also appreciating that complexity is where we are. This is what life is. Like, it is constantly changing. That's part of the excitement. It can be a bit frustrating at times. We've all dealt with that. But, like, that's kind of what life is. So not fighting that. Yes. Appreciating that for what it is because... Yeah, so it's a bit trite, but, you know, it gives you this opportunity to, like, solve all these challenges, right? So kind of how you frame that, I think, is super important.
1: And if you had to go back and give advice to your 25-year-old self, <laughs> what would you tell yourself? Uh, I would tell
0: myself, I think, to trust my instincts a bit more, like have faith in my own ability and trust those instincts. really don't become an architect, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> But also just enjoy the ride for what it is. When we're young and got well, um, young nephews, and they're always like, "Oh, when I'm when I'm older, I want to do this." And I, you know, and I, like I remember people saying this to me when I was a kid. But it really is true. Like just enjoy it for what it is and appreciate it, and that is the joy of it. Because you know, as I guess, like there's there's so many cliches in it, but it is really lucky like you only get one shot. So yes. don't kind of spend your time waiting for that time to happen that thing to be in place um the best time to do something
1: is usually now yeah and there's if reflecting on our conversation today if people remember only one thing what do you think you'd like that to be your mindset is incredibly powerful
0: how you think about situations how you think about what happened what might happen is incredibly powerful And the second part to that is that you have agency in that. You can shift, like you can tell yourself a better story. Like you have the ability, it's hard, as I said, it's hard, but it is absolutely worth it So, Um, yeah, you have agency in that, I think, and be conscious, be aware of, um, what your mindset, like how that is that serving you, Mm. make sure that it is serving you rather than, uh, undermining what you're, what you're about.
1: So invest in yourself to make sure that, you know, your mindset is yeah. really helping steer you the way that you'd like.
0: That's the thing that we can all do for ourselves. Yeah. And that's, you know, what we have to do for ourselves, I think. Um, you know, we ha- we will have beautiful networks of people around us who support us, but that is up to us to be able to to do that. And, you know, you can have people to support you, do that along the way, but I think, like, that's that's what it is, is, like, doing that for yourself. And there's enormous reward in that.
1: And Liz, if our listeners would like to connect with you online, how can they do that? So you can reach me at www.sentier.com.au.
0: So S-E-N-T-I-E-R means pathway in French. Um, <laughs> that helps people remember, but yeah, jump on there. I'm also on the various socials. So yeah, connect with me there. Would love to have a chat about, how I might be able to help.
1: Look, Liz, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really fascinating talking to you all about just the value of coaching and and your approach, and I'm sure that people would have gotten lots of really helpful things out of our conversation today. Thanks so much.
0: Well, thank you, Suzanne. It's been lovely to chat and, yeah, really appreciate the time and it's been lots of fun.
1: Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you had something you want to revisit or explore in more detail, you can check out the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and you like helping others to open their thinking, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. As always, a big thank you to Leon Fitton and the team at the Podcast Concierge. That's all for this episode. I'll see you next time.